Welcome to the Victory Multisport Podcast. This is Coach Sarge, and I'm joined today by Coach Scott. Hey there. Coach Kenny. Good morning, brother. And our very special guest, Harley Guy, father of two, Iron Man, ultra runner, recovering addict, and someone that has faced a lot of challenges and overcome a lot of challenges through his life that we're going to get to today on our podcast. Harley, how you doing? I'm good, Sarge. How are you? Thanks uh, for having me. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for being here. So great to see you finish your Ironman 140.6 in Arizona a few weeks ago. Be there to spectate for you, help you out. It was an awesome day, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us an intro. Where you come from, buddy? Yeah, cool. So my name's Harley Guy. I'm from Chino Valley, Arizona, uh, just a little north of Prescott, Arizona. I'm 40 years old. Um, I found you guys on the internet one day. You definitely did. It was like a DM. <laughs> like, I think I liked one of your right? photos or something in, about your, the swim, and you sent me like a message like, I'm sinking in the water. Can you help? Yeah, basically. I couldn't swim. And I, I actually think I remember this fondly. I think we had a call legitimately right before Thanksgiving. I'm almost positive. It was like a Wednesday or Thursday night and uh, maybe Tuesday, me and coach Scott jumped on the phone with you and it was right before Thanksgiving. Cause my, uh, uh, my wife's stepdad came in and he goes, I don't know who you were talking to, but man, that guy had to be special because you were really emotional on that call. And that was you. Wow. I don't remember that, but that's, yeah, I, I think it wasn't around the holidays. That's for sure. But wow. It was, it was emotional because I found you, I, I listened to the, the infamous number 28 podcast and I think that's how I started like figuring out who you were and what was going on and what you guys had brewing and I, it was really special for me to have you call me because uh, I wanted to be a part of what, what you had going on. So thanks for having me. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really good, Har. So, you know, we've loved watching your journey in just the last year or so that you've been with the team and all the things that you've done. Um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about some of those athletic performances that you've had recently, you know, uh, in the last couple of years, because I think you've only been doing endurance sports for about three years, um, yep. recently getting into the triathlon world, but you did a lot of other things before that. Yeah. Uh, three years ago, um, I decided to get into running. Um, I was pretty unhealthy. I was an executive chef at the time and still uh, actually, yeah, it was six years ago when I first got into thinking about being healthy, if that makes any sense. Uh, but then a couple years after that, I decided to actually start running. Um, I tried to do a 25 mile race. I think the, the longest distance I had run at that time was maybe a few miles. Um, I finished the race, but it wasn't pretty. I was second to last. Uh, I couldn't walk for probably five days. Um, it's pretty sick. And then that stopped me. And then a couple years or a year later, I decided to get back into it. And that's when I found you guys. And that's when I decided to take it real serious because I was overweight and just not healthy and really wanted to change my, my aspect on, on health. Har, were you, I, in, were you in Mexico at the time? Was weren't you in Mexico as a, a master chef or you were somewhere out of, out of state, weren't you? <laughs> No. Oh, well, when I first got clean 12 years ago, uh, I moved down to the Caribbean to become an executive chef. That was my goal. That's kind of what helped me stay clean and sober and started my journey to uh, sobriety and recovery. Uh, 
fast forward 12 years later, I was still an executive chef. I started drinking again, and now I have six years clean and sober together. Um, and I was uh, very unhealthy as a chef. Uh, I was drinking and eating a lot, weighed almost 240 pounds. And that's when I decided, decided to start my journey to, to health. Cause I figured if I was clean and sober, why not be healthy, clean and sober? And, uh, that's kind of where I was at at that point. Boy, knowing you now, it's hard to even vision, you know, you in that state, to be honest. That's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible for those that don't yeah. you know, know you very closely. I mean, you're not a tall dude, right? Let's just be honest with everybody, nope. right? So no, two, I'm five, six, two forty, two sixty, whatever yeah. it was. That's, that's a lot on your frame. So, yeah. Yeah. I had a moment in one of my restaurants when I came back from the Caribbean years later, I opened a restaurant in Prescott and I was walking upstairs and I swore I was having a heart attack. And I started thinking about what was going on health wise at that point. And that's kind of what started the journey. It took a while, but I finally got there. So yeah. Awesome. That's incredible. Cause there's no way anybody would be able to pin that on you right now based on your, based on what you were doing, the activities you're yeah. involved in your performance at Ironman and just your overall yep. body composition that you have today. So congratulations for doing that. Uh, you know, congratulations yeah. in life for, you know, overcoming, you know, you, you mentioned a couple things there and we're going to explore those avenues. Uh, you know, it, overcoming overweight, overcoming the lack of motivation to even make changes at, at certain times in your life and overcoming addiction, right? Overcoming um, a period in your life where you were homeless for a while too. So um, yep. if we can rewind back, uh, one other aspect of your athleticism that's going on right now and in recent years is your ultra running. And we're talking true ultra 60 hundred and pretty much coming up in your future, a 250 mile race. So can you yep. walk us back through, I mean, you started from taking a step or two or a mile or a quarter <laughs> mile to getting to your hundred mile completion. And now looking forward to that 250 mile. Yep. So it was basically a two-year journey to get to the 100-miler. And then in, in there, I had a 70.3 that I was training for as well, and I couldn't swim. We can get to that later. But uh, uh, the first time I went to go run and decided I'm going to get healthy and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I set a goal. I'm going to run, you know, five miles. I decided I'm going to go outside. I'm going to run. I had no clue what I was doing. I wasn't athletic in high school. Uh, I was on the wrestling team for, you know, one year. So I don't have any athletic background. So I decided I was going to go run. I was pretty overweight and I got a quarter mile into it and I threw up and, uh, it, it was disheartening and it took a couple of days to try again. But I noticed in that journey, every time I just got out the door and got outside, I was happier regardless of the distance. And then you started building on that. Yeah. And Part, then, you know, I have to admit, I chuckled a little bit right there when you said you went a quarter mile and threw up because I think that's what most people experience. I, I mean, sorry yeah, to start. I did. Like I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Har, it was a stop sign in Adams Ridge, half mile away from our house that we both came undone one run, a half mile. Yeah. But, but to your that's... point, I, I freaking love the fact that you just said that. Every day I just walked out the door. You won. Yeah. You won. Because you laced the shoes up and you went out. You didn't know what it was going to with, you know, what it was going to look like, what it was going to be, but you won. That's awesome, dude. Keep going on that. Keep rolling. 
Yeah, thank you. So I have, since since my recovery and my sobriety, I have this mentality that every every second of every day, if I'm sober, it's another win. Every minute, it's another win. So when I shifted that mentality into running that, okay, you got a mile. That's a win. Now let's do two. Now let's do three. Now let's do four. And next thing you know, just like with my sobriety, I strung along this length of time that I was sober. Now I've strung along this length of running. So then I said, it's time to set a goal, a race goal. And it was a 5K. And I think I did the 5K in like, I think it was like 14 minute miles or something. So not fast, but I did it. And in stepping over that finish line in that 5K, it felt to me as if I was conquering something, not only as a goal, but it helped me remember that every little step along the way makes me a better person. And every time I cross that line helps me stay one day sober again. And, and when I started applying that to, to the races and my goals and the mentality that I had, it was okay. Little increments, constant wins, feeling better about yourself, progressing in life. It's kind of my mentality on that. Hey, Har, I think it's funny because that very first conversation we had, Scott and I were both scratching our heads because I think you said, yeah, I used to just go out and run five miles as fast as I could and then have to walk like five miles and then do another five miles as fast as you could. And like, it was a 15 mile run you did. So you basically like ran five as fast as you could. I think you even said you might've puked or threw up and then you went back and ran or, or walked and then ran. So like you doing this was so cool because you didn't have any proper training. You just knew it made no. you feel good and, and step by step yeah. that you went out. And, and that was one of the things I remember saying to Scott, who's so deep into the running. I'm like, he's, he's gassing himself for five miles and not even, he doesn't even understand pace. And then he has to walk five miles to just get his heart rate back down. And then he does it again. Mm-hmm. I was I, I, in, I remember a lot, like people always say, your memory is crazy. That was one of the things that jumped out on our phone call that day was how you attacked those runs. Yeah, I, I just knew, I knew, like you said, I knew nothing, but I knew I wanted to achieve a goal. And part of the, the running journey and the triathlon journey and the ultra, ultra journey is that me being a recovering addict, I don't understand moderation. I don't get it, right? That's one of my character defects that I work on daily. So you guys coaching me, you kind of stepped me back and said, look, it's time to slow down on this five so you can get another three. And that was a weird concept to me was, wait, I need to slow down to get faster. And that's kind of kind of what you guys taught me. I mean, it was what you taught me because I had no knowledge of what to do at that point. Yeah. So go go into that a little bit more where, you know, addictive personalities, addiction in of itself as a disease affects people's mentality on yeah. on that like all or nothing full on you know can you just yep. explore that a little more in not just in sports but in other aspects of life that get people out of yeah. balance right and then stuff starts to yep. fly off or fall apart or the wheels come off and then yep. it derails not just your sports or your athletics or your training but your relationships, your families, you know, all of those things start to like pay for that. Can you talk more about that? 
Yeah, definitely. I'll speak to my shrink experience and hope on my personal level because I can't speak for uh, every addict and alcoholic. Right. I'm not a drug addict. I mean, I'm not a doctor who understands the psychology of addictions, but um, I know that uh, in my addiction to my alcoholism, I have no moderation. I have a disease of adding more, right? So what happens is you you think you have control and the ability to maintain life on your own terms and you don't <laughs> as addicts and alcoholics so we, we start self-medicating uh, at least i do I start self-medicating and the whole medication process for me when i when i became a, an alcoholic and drug addict was to block the trauma from my past numb life so i essentially didn't have to live you know and uh it worked for a while until it didn't and then it got real real bad for a long time. And then I set goals just like I did with my, my ultra running and my, my triathlon. I set goals month here, two months here. I tried and I gave up all power and any idea or semblance that I had any control. And I put it into God's hands and I said, help me because I'm clearly not doing something right. And, uh, thinking, thinking I was entitled, knew everything, you know, back then, uh, when I gave that power and control to God's hands, um, I, I was just shown a whole new life in a whole new way. Right. And in that I learned that part of my disease is the inability to moderate. And now that translates over into athletics. Good for me when it comes to setting big goals, because I like the extreme. I mean, that's why I got into firefighting, right? Like I was a wildland firefighter for a couple of years and the draw to me was the adventure, the extreme, and the ability to go and do things, but in a positive way. And that's what, that's what draws me to the ultra world and the triathlon world is these massive goals that seem unattainable at, at one point. Right. But it's so, so big and unattainable. It's something to work for. And it's, it kind of plays into the addiction thing um, a little bit but in a positive way, it's almost like I'm giving back positively instead of feeding into the negativity of addiction. If that makes any sense. Hey, Har, my, <clears throat> my mother used to say to me all the time, cause she was, when she passed um, 40 some years, she was sober of alcohol. And she said to me one time, and I never really understood it, but what you just said kind of hit it home. Why would I mm -hmm. go out and just have one drink? I, I can't. So if I'm going to have one, I might as well have 20 and just, just yeah. get, let the alcohol take over. And I, I never understood that, yeah. but it was a sickness that wired her. My dad's was, uh, if I'm going to gamble, why just gamble 50 bucks? Let me throw $10,000 on a real random, like an arena football game because he had a sickness. He didn't know how to control that. And hearing you say, I didn't understand moderation. I didn't understand how, you know, my system worked the wiring on that's got to be so tough to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard pill to swallow that you realize you have, you know, the only way I can describe it is a character defect that most people don't. Right. I don't have the ability to moderate. When you said that your mom, why have one have 20? That's exactly my mindset. Um, I, I, back then I didn't, there was no, yeah, exactly. And it, it's hard to, for, for a long time, you grapple with the fact that you think you have something, quote unquote, wrong with you, and you don't. You don't have it. You have the ability. If you look at it, it's 
just like I have learning disabilities in math, right? That's how I grew up. I was in the special kid classes for math, honors for all the other class. But for the longest time, I viewed math as something that was wrong with me rather than something I could overcome. And once I started viewing my addiction as all this is, is a challenge in life that I get to battle. I have the privilege of having this and I get to overcome it. Then it becomes something that you start slowly realizing that there's nothing wrong with you. It's just all perspective. And you can shift that. I can only do one or I can't have more. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. You can shift that mentality of I can't have one. I have to have 20 into, well, I can't run one mile. I want to run a hundred. It's going to make me healthy. It's going to make me happy. It's going to make my depression better. It's going to help my family because my kids are going to see. So you can have that same mentality and balance it in a way that makes you healthier. That's kind of how I view that, uh, that wiring in my head. Now I just, it's all perspective. Hey, Hark, did you have a crowd that, that brought you into this path? Like, uh, friends that you walked down this with, uh, when you decided that you had to change life? Did you lose a lot of that crowd? Like, what did that look like? Like your, your history, did somebody that you found yourself, I got to cut coach Sarge out of here. Cause he's taking me down that round, wrong path. Or did you find yourself just in a, a really bad crowd that, that, that added fuel to your fire instead of stopping what you were doing? Like, how did that look? Yes. A hundred percent. So in, in active addiction, you, you hang out with people that are just like birds of a feather, right? Because they can get things for you. You can get things for them. They understand. No one, you're, you're hanging out with, you know, the, the spiders and snakes, as I used to call it. And uh, there's a lot of people that I loved in that time that are actively using still that I will not talk to. Um, if they approach me or message me, I say, clean and sober for a year and I got you, buddy. That's about it. Um, I had to physically, mentally change every single aspect of my life, who I was, where I lived, the people I loved, the people that cared about me. And then I slowly, slowly started realizing that the people that actually cared about me were the people that were like, like my mom and my brother and the people that were like, you're exactly what I did to my friends that I love. I'm not going to be around you unless you're okay with you, unless you change your addiction you change your habits, you show some serious work and commitment. Um, those are the people that love you or the people that are willing to tell you you're messing up and you're doing something wrong. And we love you very much, but you will not be around us until you fix something. And those are the people that I started to gravitate to and started figuring out that really had my best interest in, in, at heart. Hey, Hart, that was beautiful what you just said there. I won't hang out with you unless you're okay with you. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing because I think so many yeah. of us, so many of our athletes that we talk to or so many people with, that we know struggle at times with, I'm not a good runner. Right. I'm, I, I'm afraid to go in the pool to take my shirt off because what if somebody sees me and they, yeah. Yeah, like we, we, sometimes it's, we're, we're so uncomfortable in our own skin that, that, that mm -hmm. is just beautifully said, unless you're okay with you. Kudos, man. Whoever said that to you, was that your mom, your brother? Do you remember who might've been the first person that dropped that on you? Cause that's, no, that's I think, beautiful. I think it's just, I think it's just a mentality that I gathered along my journey, to be honest. Uh, nobody said those direct words for me, probably in some way of, you know, you can't love unless you love yourself. That old adage. But yeah, when it comes to sports, it was, it was hard for me in the beginning when I started this running and triathlon journey, because I had those same what ifs, right? 
What if I'm not fast enough? What if I'm not good enough? I still have, at times I compare myself to certain runners and certain athletes. And then I shut that down and I say, this is a war against me. I, I'm not going to go run 730 for a hundred. It's not going to happen. I'm going to train like I want to, but I'm okay with pushing as hard as my body knows how and trusting my training and understanding that I'm good enough and worth enough to step up to that starting line and achieve a goal that 99% of the people won't. And that's what drives me is knowing that I'm, I have my own value to know that I have the courage to step up to the line. That's just, just getting to that starting line is a huge deal. Or you know, walking that, out now, the door or walking out the door yeah, for that quarter mile. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to win the race to win the race. Yeah. You know, you, you know every you're, race, I, I, it's a war against me and it's a challenge that I accepted. And I, if I'm dead last or middle of the pack, I don't care. I mean, I push like I care. I want to train and go fast to the best of my ability, but it's all about winning that war with me. Yeah. You're hitting on a fundamental with the psyche of endurance sports. And I love the fact that you're talking about the transition of your life, not just your transition into the sport, but it's that we're, we're all different to some extent, obviously, but yet we all have that common denominator of the desire mm-hmm. to participate in these types of sports. And because of that, that's what kind of brings us together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible feeling. And I think that, when you go through the challenges that you have Harley and you uh, really work a program like you've worked to get yourself clean and stay clean, you know, and there's always setbacks that, that can occur and you have to be able to figure those out. It really dives into, you know, um, the word that comes to my mind is discipline. And that's, you know, means a little bit different things to different people, but a discipline to know, of who is really in your corner, whether you are recognizing it or not, right? In the mm-hmm. moment when you maybe are not quite clean yet and they're telling you things that you don't want to hear, so you're telling them that they're not in your corner, but but really they are. And they're not in they've right. they've come to the terms of not enabling the addiction, enabling yep. you to manipulate. Um, they're not doing some of the crazy things that families try to do thinking it's the right thing, but it's not, it never works, right? They're actually dropping back and telling you the same thing that now you're able to tell those old friends of yours, those old influences of yours that you're not right. And when you're right, I'll be with you or I'll be around you and I'll help you. And I'll even make it better for you when you get there, but only the person can be sick and tired of being sick and tired and make that change. Yep. Only that person can be tired of being a, you know, two fifty, five foot four, two fifty, and say, I can't do this. I'm going to die going up the stairs or, you know, I don't want to fly because exactly. everybody looks at me and wonders if they're sitting next to me in the seat and, you know, those types of things. So you make that, you make that personal choice at some point, or you hit that rock bottom that necessitates it. You know, maybe you have a close call, you figure it out, but then you have to maintain that discipline every day. It is a daily struggle. It's a daily set of decisions that have to be met because if you don't stick to those, it's a slippery slope right back. And it's a slippery slope right back to the couch in sports. It's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. right back into addiction. If you have that personality, 
So I, that's what I was taking from what you said. And it was beautiful. And, you know, it, the, the term tough love comes out a lot and, you know, that's maybe overused in a lot of ways, but it is, it does feel that way when you're on the other side, when you have a parent or a family member, brother, sister, whomever, that you're trying to help through this and you have to hold them accountable and you have to hold yourself (laughs) accountable. You know, it's tough love for yourself. It's tough love for them. And, um, you know, that's, uh, something that I've learned through this, you know, journey that, that you're explaining, but I've also been on with my father. Um, and so, you know, I, I was involved in a 12 step program as young as 14, I think, um, as a family member, Right, because he was going on. Yeah, it was Alan on. So he was going through his realization that he had he could not continue to do what he was doing. And he he made the change. And he was he was almost 40 years clean before he passed in 2018. So he and I think he got strength from me understanding it, even though I hated it. I was 14. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to go to it's these meetings. The yeah. <laughs> I went to a few with my mom. It's yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But I went. I, I still went um, because it was important to him at that time. And, you know, um, and, you know, it was really important when he got to lead a meeting and tell the story. And I learned stuff because those things that I didn't know, even growing up in the same house that really went on, that he explained. But it, it just comes back to that discipline. It comes back to that way of dealing with people in a firm but fair manner in a honest and loving manner but that doesn't mean they get to do whatever they want to do because the addict's going to make up crazy things the yeah you just got to set healthy boundaries the athletes (laughs) might make up crazy things on the coaches right you know to bring it back home to victory we you know they may want to add a bunch of races early in the season when they really don't need to and they're already injured and we had that discussion this morning and they they need what you explained earlier about the uh, ability to step back, the the outside looking in view of an athlete and what's going on with that athlete. So I think that's that's super important. These are, you know, incredibly applicable points for a lot of different things in life. This person doesn't even have to be an addict to learn from this type of no, program and these types of principles. Yeah, it's like when Coach King, I don't know if you remember when I uh, – I broke my foot before that 70.3. Oh yeah. Right. Like a week before. And Kenny said to me, well, maybe this is the universe's way of telling you to slow down and stop training more than we're telling you to train. And something went, Oh, okay. That's the mentality that gets me in trouble is I think I know best. Right. So if we can step back as athletes, we signed up for a team, we pay for these coaches that know what they're doing. Let's listen to them and let's trust the training and let's, let's do every little thing that they're telling us to do and understand ask questions along the way and navigate that in a different way and uh, maybe adjust as we go. But yeah, as athletes, we're signed up for a team for coaches. It may, may in my, in my experience, it was because I didn't know what I was doing. So I needed to listen to that. Right. <laughs> so, Howard, I remember <clears throat> I'm not a confrontational guy by no means. And yeah, I had yeah. to call you on a Sunday. I called coach Bowes uh-huh. and I go, what did you put in his training peaks? And he goes eight miles. I said, Harley's posted on social media that he ran 26 miles. And I, I remember I called you and I go, hey, Har. Yep. And I, I tried to not confront you. And I was like, can you tell me what your training peak says? Because I think mine is broke. Mine oh, said man. eight. What did yours say? Because I think I was just trying to get and you're like, yeah, I get where you're going. And I think, Har, you had a moment where you had to run it out of you. 
or else you may have, you may have taken a step back. And, and that, that really hit home to me when we talked about, it. I think we both cried a little bit, you know, we were going mm-hmm. through it. I think we prayed together and, and, and it helped me understand yeah. what Harley Ray guy is all about and what Harley Ray guy needs at times is just that, Hey, is it all right if I do a two hour bike instead of that 45 minute, because I need to chase something out of my mind. And, and, uh, I, I speak a little bit on that because that's, that's that side of you sometimes that you, that daily grind of, I, I can't go backwards. So in lieu of that, I'm going to do this. Yep. So, yeah, I remember you calling me. That was a very eye-opening experience for me as well. And I didn't, I didn't express to you and communicate to you guys that I was essentially going through a divorce at the time. And that's what was going on. Uh, me and my, my, I call her my wife. We weren't married. She's a great person, just not my person. Uh, we were together for seven years and we were breaking up. We had a house, we had cars, you know, the whole thing, essentially of a marriage without the ring. And I decided that day I was going to go run it out instead of get angry, instead of, you know, go drink, go do what, you know, the addict mind tells me that it starts telling me what I should do to numb the pain. Uh, And instead of calling you guys and saying, hey, I'm going through it. Can we add some more miles? Can we adjust? This is what's going on. This is what helps me. It's because running is my therapy. When I hit the trails, I work everything up. You know, I talk to the people I love about it, but running really really clears my mind and it really sets me up for the next moment in the, in the day or the week or whatever. And, uh, what I got from that was I, to, to better myself as an athlete, I need to communicate with my coaches to let them know what's going on in my life. So they can say, yeah, totally go and maybe not smash out 26. How about we do 10 miler today? We get you on the bike longer. We get you a harder swim. And here's why. Um, yeah, again, that was the uh, the mentality of I'm just going to go smash it out and everything's going to be fine. And then that year I got hurt. So I listened to this year and I went into the, the full relatively actually injury free. I had one little moment where my I had a I had a hamstring strain in training and that was about it. And I got sick once, but I didn't get hurt. And I truly think that's because I listened to my coaches. You know, I talked to Chef and I said, hey, I want to go smash out a 20 miler today, but I'm going to do the 10. Are you cool if I do a body weight exercise or if I add a little bit more time on the bike? I communicated that instead of thinking I knew what I was doing and got hurt. <laughs> so, well, I think that's key for all of us coaches is, you know, we say it all the time that we're, when we're in your corner, we're in your corner. And, and for yeah. the good or bad, you know, Harley, I can think of probably 20 phone calls we had, you know, over the mm-hmm. course of this two years that had nothing to do with. Uh, uh, your pacing or your heart rate or elevation or a race, but it was, Hey, what's that going on in your noodle? How you doing? What's happening? What's going on? What do you need from me? How can we pray? Like, what's like, that's the beautiful thing with the coaching. It's not helping you because you're going to run a hundred miles. You're going to finish that, but it's helping you understand the best way to get there, the safest way to get there to, to with all that's going on with you. That's what I love the most about it. And, and I think the most, I think we were, Scott and I were kind of shaking our head on was like, dang it. I didn't even know he was going through it. And that's what I was mad Mm -hmm. is you didn't feel comfortable at the time to let us know, Hey, something's happening. I got to go deal with this. And, and that's where to all of our, all of our athletes, we try to tell them, let us be part of the equation. 
it might be go run 20 miles and you're good with it, but let us know what it is so that we can, we can walk through life together with you. And that was such a pivotal call because I think that set up your whole 2022 in a, in a proper way. It did. It did. Absolutely. 100%. It gave me a whole different perspective on what training really is. It's not just go out and push, 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 and then walk five miles and then push, 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 and hope you can smash 20. Like it's, there's a process to it. And if you just trust the process, you will achieve really great things that you didn't think were even possible. Like I'd never two years ago, I swam 2.4 miles the other day, right? I biked 112 and I ran a marathon in one day in 13 hours, five years, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, you couldn't get up the steps behind a dumpster. Yeah. I would have never thought that, but I took the, the steps to get there now. So it's, and that's what that whole conversation with that 21 miler really, really put into my brain was it's, it's progress, not perfection. Let's, pro, let's, pro, let's, let's get some progress before we start perfecting. Harley, I got to tell you, I, I am blown away with the level of achievement of your Ironman and, and not just the, the sport side of it, but mm-hmm. like sincerely the, the life achievement, I mean, everything that people look at in terms of what they accomplish in life, it's all relative to where you're starting from. And so Harley and I are literally, I think we were walking to the, it was either the start or maybe we were headed down just to transition to take a look at something. And he looks at me just so casually and says, I used to live under that bridge. And I was like, Oh my God, you're kidding. Like internally it was like, so many emotions were unleashed at once. I was blown away. And, and he here said we are. so cavalier. Yeah. Just like I, I used to live under that bridge and I was like, wow. So it was, it was definitely yeah, coming just, home for you. I'm not home in that sense, but that you're like changing the yeah. narrative, changing the painting that is your life. That is going to be the mosaic of everything that is Harley guy, you know, ultimately, yep. um, by, racing that 140.6 in Arizona and, you know, coming back to those lands and conquering in a different way, in an appropriate way, in a, in a, you know, in a healthy way, uh, those, you know, putting away some more demons a little bit, right. Putting them in their place and coming to terms with them. Not that they ever go away because we all have the experiences of our life that we carry with us and that are there. Um, it's, it's really, really incredible. I think that in my, just watching this, this call, watching you on the screen and listening, I'm thinking that the being able to turn over your challenges and your problems to someone else, higher power and a higher power could be a coach from an athletic perspective, but a higher power could be someone else, you know, upstairs, um, in life and those types of things and being, being, um, receptive to the feedback of if you do this, you can get that. If you do this Mm -hmm. the next day, you can get further. If you do it this way, it's proven to be a success. And I think that translates very well to what you've already done in your life and uh, accomplished these challenges of getting um, yourself off the streets, getting yourself clean, getting yourself, you know, educated and trained to, to be an executive chef to be a firefighter, a, a, a smoke jumper, if you will, almost, you know, in, in wilderness firefighting. <laughs> and then now transitioning even into a new career. Uh, and I'm sure you've probably had even a half dozen other things that you've done in your life 
uh, as careers yeah. and you've had to reinvent yourself and reinvent yourself time and, and time again. reinvent yourself as an athlete, reinventing yourself as a person, reinventing yourself as a, uh, dad, father, you know, husband, uh, partner, uh, reinventing yourself yeah. as, uh, in your career, you know, whatever that job is or that, you know, source of income is for you. So I just, I'm blown away. Um, even more amazed than I was from what I knew starting this call. So, you know, you're, you're definitely hitting on a lot of themes that I think translate to any person and any aspect of trying to accomplish anything, right? Whether it's a project at work or it's something with your family or your kids, or it is, um, and you know, I'm even thinking to myself right now, my son's 17, he's doesn't know what he wants to do. And I'm thinking, why do I, why, why do I have to worry about that now? I've trained him how to make decisions. I've mm-hmm. trained him to be a good person. He's smart enough. He can figure it out. And, you know, uh, but I've overstressed myself a lot lately because it's like getting down, the, you know, you're supposed to pick a college and you're supposed to do these things, but maybe today's call is going to help or maybe today's podcast is going to help me, you know, back off of him a little bit. And then maybe that's yeah. going to improve a lot and he's not going to be as, you know, closed off about what he wants to do. Cause I think it's in there. He's just not willing to share at this point because he, maybe he thinks I'm not going to approve. So we'll figure that out. But I'm, I'm hopeful that that's an option for me because it's it's frustrating me right now. (laughs) So, um, but I digress, um, hundred miles on a day or a couple of days, it was 20 plus hours, right? Um, that you didn't intend to run a hundred miles. You intended to do 60. Yeah, I think. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it was let, let me back up real quick and just clarify sure. too. I was not a smoke jumper just in the wildlife yeah. community. That's a big deal. Yeah, so yeah, I worked on I worked on some engines and a helicopter crew and some stuff like that. Anyways, okay. I wanted to clarify that. That's fine. That's that's saying. cool. I, I mean we're civilians myself. in that regard. We don't know the terms, yeah. so uh <laughs> correct us if Gosh, we're well, wrong, it's much but... like it's much like the special ops, like it with uh your military background. Yeah. I would never say I was a SEAL, right? Right. So we, right. But anyways. Okay. Uh, but you hey, could so, be, you uh, could be if you wanted to be. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, I'm 40. Hey, I don't think they let me in anymore. Hey, hey, Har, before, uh, Har, before you go on that 100-mile run, yeah. what was your defining yeah. moment when you said enough is enough, that you're, you're draw a line in the moment? Because we haven't touched on what was that lowest point that you hit that said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I got to give it up. Hey, actually, before you Addiction? answer that, Har, on, okay. So taking that question, apply that to across all of the spaces in your life, because you've changed careers multiple times. You've had the courage to get into endurance sports when your when your friends weren't. So so it sounds like you have a a common personality trait where you're willing to go in a direction to a point, and then you have a moment of realization where you're like, I'm going to pivot. And I'm going to move in a different direction because I feel it's in my best interest. So, so yep. what is it that triggers you to make the decision to pursue whatever that is, like a passion or an interest? Like, what do you think that is? Like, what, where, what is the fundamental thing that sort of moves you? Well, I think that the fundamental thing that started to move me was my fear of success or my fear of accomplishing goals. I feared that fear rather than understanding that without fear, there is no courage. So I started accepting the fear and realizing leaning into the fear, making yourself better 
that's where the courage lies and that's the good stuff. So fear isn't a bad thing. Fear is a motivator. Uh, Love it. When it comes to my, that, 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 that's what the endurance sport thing, when it comes to the addiction, people ask me this all the time. How did you get clean? What, what was that moment? I can't tell you a moment, but I can tell you there was a year where I, in one day, OD'd three times, got, got brought back, uh, wrecked my car on the highway, um, was put in jail multiple times. And I was in 16 different detoxes and five different rehabs in about two years span. And I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Much like when, when people are overweight and they make that decision, I'm sick and tired of being overweight. I'm sick and tired of waking up and eating the candy bars. I feel like crap. It's not killing me. I don't have the courage to kill myself. It's not working. I need something different. Life is going downhill. I just, I slowly started taking actionable steps to try to better myself. And at times those actionable steps were literally getting out of bed and putting my shoes on. Small, actionable steps build huge achievements. So it's almost like you have this realization of this isn't what I want any longer. And, and that is, yeah. that's when you decide I'm moving on or I'm, I'm going yeah. to pursue something else. Well, look, if it's not, if it's not positive in my life and it's not making me or helping me progress as a, yeah. as a being to help others, what's the point of doing it? If you wake up every day and you go to your, your work and you get out of work every day and you're angry and you go yell at your family and you're upset because you hate your job, quit your job or figure out a way to make your situation better. And I was afraid to make those decisions because I didn't think I had the worth, value, or or uh, confidence to make those decisions. And in my sobriety and in my athletics, I've realized that I'm lovable, I'm teachable, and I'm extremely confident. And if I don't like something, I have the ability within me to try to fix it. I may not have all the answers, but I guarantee, just like when I talk to Coach, my 70.3, I don't have a bike. I don't know how to swim and I can barely run. I think Kenny or maybe it was Scott actually said to me, look, the tools will fall into place. Just sign in for the race. And that's the same thing. Have the courage to take that next step and then surround yourself with people that are going to better you mm-hmm. just like your coaches, you know, hang out with the winners essentially. <laughs> Sounds like you uh, through this process of getting clean and, and learning about that and, you've built this filter for your life that you use to, to analyze all, all things, all inputs that are coming in, you know, is this productive? Is this making me happy? Is this making me better? Is this, you know, for my family, whatever your value system is stacked, however that is stacked, uh, you have this really clear defined filter that you probably can't fully explain to us, but it's in your head and you use it every single day and you're, and you're, you're using it in all aspects, which I think is really super important. And it, it, it's guiding you and it's helping you guide yourself. And it's, it's allowing you to achieve all of these successes that you continue to stack and that you continue to go after. So it's, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Definitely. So when it comes to the, the 60 miles that turn into a hundred miles, you want me to touch base on that? Now? Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. important. I think that's important. <laughs> Cool. So I had a, my buddy, Jason Baum, he's a, uh, he's an ultra runner, um, who I look up to a lot that I, uh, race. I've, I've uh, run with him quite a bit and he, he's one of those people that I saw what he had and I wanted it. 
because the way he spoke about running and ultra marathoning was just incredible, you know, and he's a lot like me. He's not, he's not going to podium, but he's going to finish and he's going to finish strong. And he's done multiple hundred mile races. And I thought, huh, that'd be something to get into. So hanging out with him and running with him in my journey, he, uh, he decided to, he's done multiple hundreds, like I said, and he decided to do Coconona 250. It was a 250 mile race through the hills of Arizona. And it's right in my backyard, like literally right there. They run on this flat Altamingus mountain, which I'm looking at through this window right here. So he asked me, I finished uh, Black Canyon 60K, did it pretty well. Uh, Antelope Canyon 50 miler did that in under 11 hours, which was a big deal for me. That was my goal. And he slowly started realizing that I was serious. So he asked me if I could pace him for this long race. And if people don't know, a pacer is essentially like another runner, a buddy that's strong, that kind of understands the, the process of ultra marathoning and running and hangs out with you. So you make sure that you eat, you know, you're on course, you have your nutrition, you're just somebody to talk to during the pain because it gets painful out there. And uh, he wanted me for 60, 60 mile section I think it was 56 miles I was going to do with him. And the day before he called me and said two of his pacers dropped. And he's like, if you want to do a hundred with me, I'd love to have you. And I was like, yep, without a doubt, let's go. Bam. And I pivoted my thinking and I knew I was going to do a hundred with him. And he had me pace him from Mingus mountain. We dropped into Jerome, uh, through the Verde Valley into Sedona and then to Munns park and Flagstaff, which was, it was 98 miles when I dropped him and I went out and did two more miles to make sure it was a hundred. Um, and I think that mentality of, yeah, I got you, let's do this really works in that situation. I think if you, well, I mean, cause what's 60 to hundred, right? It's 40 miles. That's massive. But if you're going to do 60, keep pushing, just go. Yeah, I got you. What do you need? You know? And it wasn't a large amount of all out running because at that point I picked him up, it was a hundred miles or he was 120 miles into it. I think when I dropped him, he was going to be 200 in like 40 miles or something. I can't remember the exact math, but either way, it was a lot of power hiking, running here and there, making sure he took naps. You know, it was a, it was a really good experience. And in that, I'm on this, this course, I'm experiencing this amazing 250 mile journey that my friend's on. And he's in this, he broke his ankle in it, coming down from Jerome. And that was mile 125 for him and he finished um so or sprained his ankle rather but i knew i wanted to do that i knew after 100 because i i didn't feel fresh after 100 100 it hurt hurt real bad but uh i knew that 250 was in the works and that was the next step for me man how i gotta tell you like sitting here hearing all about like your achievements and stuff and just talking even through that you're a very forward-looking individual and what I mean by that is you, you, you were asked to help your friend go to the hundred miles. You made the decision. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going the hundred. And then you're thinking immediately shifted to tactics and strategy and pacing. Mm -hmm. Never once did you come back and think, oh, maybe I don't want to. Yeah. Why am I doing yeah. this? It was why like, am I here? You, you make the decision, you, you identify the target. And you and you lean in and you move forward, and and that Absolutely. theme I'm picking up on that as we're as we're kind of working mm -hmm. through this, it's you you make a decision and you you look ahead and you don't look back. Mm -hmm. You appreciate the history and you recognize yes. the struggle, but it doesn't hold you back. It's not an anchor. You you are always yeah. looking forward. 
to yeah, the point definitely. of to the point of now signing up for and getting in the lottery for your 250 yourself, going back to that yeah. same race mm-hmm. for yourself. And uh, there's no doubt that you're 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 going to accomplish that as well, based on everything we know about you. So it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I had that mentality during Arizona during the Ironman when things got you know when it was painful on the bike, my knees started hurting. I thought you're doing 250 in six months. This is training for that too. Like you're going to finish regardless. It was never, Oh, I used to be a drug addict or, Oh, I, I last, last couple of workouts. I couldn't, I couldn't run as fast as I wanted or any of that. It was just like, what's the next goal. And I I think about that when I would train for the the 70.3, I had a mantra in my head that was, this is training for your Ironman. You continue the training because that's the next step. So that's, Every race that I think I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what's the next one I'm going to do or what this looks like or what I can learn from in that distance or that race for the next one. And I pay attention to the people around me that are stronger. That's one thing I think when I remember when I did that, uh, hippity hop half marathon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Then you jumped over the fence to bring, I think did your ex-wife run in it and you went out and got her. Yeah. Yeah. She did a, she did a 5k, which was really cool. I was proud of her. Definitely proud of her. And, still am for that but uh during that race was my first half marathon it was april of what 21 excuse me so i remember having a conversation with scott about the people wearing the iron man gear and the tri suits and the shoes i'd stay behind them and watch how they were running how their feet were landing how many times they took sips of water you know because you can learn from the people that have done it right Mm -hmm. and it's same thing with recovery Oh, this dude has 20 years clean. What can I learn from him? How's he acting at meetings? What's he saying? How's he presenting himself? How does he, it's the same thing in, 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 uh, uh, the triathlon stuff, right? If I want to be a better swimmer, I hang out with the better swimmers. And that's kind of my philosophy in all those races. I'm always looking for somebody better than me to learn from. Harley, I think love the, the curiosity. I think the cool thing too, is when you, if people truly understand you know, and, and this podcast is going to show a lot of light on you, but when you look at like you're, you were homeless for 12 years and, and you don't have the $20,000 Cervelo bike that you ride on and you don't have, you know, like when you first started swimming with us, you, you swam in like a 13 yard pole at a hotel, you know, and, and because it was free and, and you made do with what you had. And, And I, and I think that we, when we spoke, we spoke um, at Ironman. We looked at that bike. Remember that bike in the morning? And I said mm-hmm. to you, look at that guy's bike. It, it didn't have aero bars. It had a big seat on it. And my point was, if it's bad enough and in your heart, you'll find a way. If you want it bad enough and it's on your heart, you'll find a way to make it work. And you've Go done down. that. Go lay down. And you've done Sorry, that. my dog was my dog was. I was wondering. I thought Sarge was doing something <laughs> under the table. I didn't know what was going on. No, my dog. My dog uh, just came up. She was being quiet the whole time, and came up and decided to start talking to me. So no, <laughs> it's fine. But but the thing I think that's so awesome to watch is at times you'll say to me, "Hey, coach, should I buy a new pair of shoes or the tires? What do you think?" And you make it work. You always find a way to make it work. And and now you include us in those right decisions. But I, th- I think my point there is from where you've come from, overcome and to what you continue to do and chase down, you know, you find a way to make it work, whether it's swimming in a 50 meter pool 
a 13 yard pole or it's, it's not having the right shoes, but I'm going to get the, I'm going to work towards getting them. And that's what I love about you is you find a way to finish whatever that looks like. And you're a two, you, you're a study of, of the sport. Like you study everything and you, you ask the right questions and that's the cool thing with you. No excuses guy. I mean, you're just not an excuse guy. You're not going to come up with any, you're not going to allow them to creep in. You're going to, you know, improvise, adapt and overcome as a term. Yeah. Because you got to get it done. And, you know, the, because I think my interpretation would be the goal is that important. If you set it and you've talked about it in your head or you've written it down or you've told other people about it, then you're going to figure out a way. You're going to figure out what it needs to be done to get to that. And um, it's, it's, it's an incredible skill. It's an incredible personality trait that is, uh, you know, giving you the success that you're having in life and, and in sports and everything else. And it's awesome. I, I, you know, I, we've always been admirers of it in you just by the, you know, watching your journey and getting you to the start line and then watching you finish and now hearing about it and like thinking in our heads or in my head that there could have been a thousand times you could have said, yeah, I don't have a pool. I don't have this. I'm going to drop from the 70.3. I don't really have a broken foot. Yeah. I have a broken foot. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to swim, but I'm going to jump in this water and do 1.2 miles with a couple yeah. thousand people that I don't know. Um, but you've, you've always persevered. You pushed through, you've made it happen. Um, and from what we saw a few weeks ago, you've put the work in and the grind's given you back what you gave it. And it's, yeah. it's paying off because you had a great race. It's great. Season. You were on it. You, you hit every mark, if not beat some of your split times that you were looking for. You, you swam faster than you expected. You know, you, you had a great um, flow on the run. Um, you know, oh, you had, you had smiling a, on the run. Yeah. The entire every, time. every place we saw you, every picture we took, you were smiling. So um, we're, you know, we're, we're super fans of Harley Guy. That's for, that's for sure. That's for sure. So Thanks, I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. So um two fifty is when it's uh give us the dates on that. The the uh, May first through the seventh. Okay. Um you have hundred and twenty five hours to finish. Um yeah, I think it's May first, may have been May second. They they changed it up a couple times yeah. and things evolve in big races like that. Last year they had a fire that cut through sure. the beginning, so they had to redirect it. So who knows what it'll look like yeah, this so year, but I'm hoping it's the first week of May, 250 mm-hmm. mile race. Um, you have the, that period of time to complete it. So you have a deadline. Um, you, you, you did something very special, I think at the beginning of Ironman. So I'm going to bring that back to this 250 is, you know, we as a team got together and, and said a prayer. Um, uh, Sayward actually was leading that prayer and she did a fantastic job, but you wanted to add to it and you wanted to say something special, um, for that day. Now you have trained, you have swam, you have biked, you have sweated the details of you having to race, but can you talk about who we all collectively prayed for with you leading us that morning? Yeah. Yeah. Say said an incredible prayer and coach Kenny did too. And, you know, uh, for all the athletes out there that day, including, you know, everyone, not just the victory athletes, which was really cool, super inspiring. And then I wanted to say something to the effect of, I want to pray for those in active addiction 
that are either winning the battle, have fought the battle, are still fighting the battle, or have passed away. And that I hope that this race gives some inspiration to somebody that's actively battling their addiction right now, thinking, I could never do that because I'm not worth it, to this guy did it. He was 12 years homeless. He was a heroin addict. He was an alcoholic. He lived under the bridges in that exact race where we were at. I think I pointed out an oleander bush that that I was under. Um, that whole race has memories of holding signs on freeways. The entirety of that course is, was nothing but a reminder of what I overcame. So I was hoping in that prayer that maybe at some point in my life that that story can get given to somebody and that they can have some courage to fight their own Iron Man. Maybe it's not an Iron Man, but maybe it's just putting down that bottle and calling somebody. Mm -hmm. Hey, Harley, what's your new career path right now? If you could touch on that for a minute, because I think it's very special what you're doing today. Okay. Uh, I'm a peer support specialist for a recovery community in the, in the town. Essentially what a peer support specialist does is we guide and mentor newly recovering addicts and alcoholics that are in treatment because we have been there and we have done that and we take them to go get their license or probation office. And in that we get to just have conversations about how, how they're doing, what I did to stay sober and clean, what can help them. It's just hanging out with, with other people just like me that just happen to be newly in the, in the uh, recovery process. And it's really cool. And now I also, I uh, got a deli management position for a uh, rather large corporation and it's going to bring in more income too. So monetarily I'm satisfied and I get to fill that gap of service mm -hmm. where I want to be of service to uh, recovering addicts and alcoholics. It, it, it's such a funny how God is using you as, as his yeah. vessel. I mean, uh, like legitimately, you know, I, I sit there and I look, when I lost my mom is the hardest thing I've ever had to endure. And to see probably 75 people come up and say, your mom saved my life. Your mom offered me her house when I had nothing. She stopped me from yeah. putting that bottle to my mouth. She stopped me from putting that drug in my arm. And I sit there and I, and I saw it like when Sarge was saying about going to Al-Anon, that was embarrassing as a kid. And cause I didn't understand it. And then when I heard my mom's story as a kid, I didn't appreciate it as an adult. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And seeing God flow through you and what you're doing, the humility you go about it, the care and love you have for people and to have it as an honor. Like I've been on the phone with you before chopping it up when you're like, coach, I love you, but I got to go. I have somebody that's wanting to drink or wanting to do drugs and I got to go. Like you're like, I don't know how, if you even realize how many people view you as a leader. Like that's the way that when you were at your lowest time, when you thought maybe it's okay if I left this world, because what am I doing for it? to where you are today. Mm -hmm. Coach Bowes will I'll always remember the very first time we talked and I called him after. I'm like, we have to get him, whatever that looks like. He goes, that guy's already won in life. No matter what race, no matter what he does, he's won. And I'm getting emotional because I love you so much and you've Thank won you. in life. Thank you. It's, it's uh took me a long time to accept that, that I'm actually doing some good and I appreciate that other people are seeing it. So thank you. Absolutely. That's why we wanted to bring it up and make sure we put it into the cast today. So you have this vehicle to share, you know, your story and, and some of the whys behind it. But yeah. yeah. So back to your 250. Yeah. Is there a cause greater than the Harley guy of completing a 250 mile race? Are you running? Is there a support that you would like from 
any community, not just the Victory Multisport community, but any listener or anybody that comes in contact with anybody that we know, can you explain, you know, where we can help you, help others, you know, whatever that is? Gotcha. So when I originally wanted to do the 250, regardless if I got a charity bib or not, I was going to try to raise money. Um, the charity bibs went really fast. There's only a couple of them, which is essentially you raise three thousand dollars, covers your your cost of the race, which was like eighteen hundred or something, and then any money after that goes into charity, either of the choosing of the race director or of your choice. And in our town, there's a uh, there's not a lot of recovery based, um, uh, how do I put this? Recovery based communities that you can actually donate to. Um, you, you can, but it's it's a it's it's kind of strange. So I decided there's a, a cause called the Teen Launchpad here. And what this, what this community does is they, they incite confidence in teens at a young age to possibly, to possibly, my dog's barking in it, sorry, uh, to possibly mitigate the beginning of addictions, eating disorders, whatever that may be at a younger age to teach teens confidence. And they're doing an amazing job and it's called the Teen Launchpad in Prescott, Arizona. So we decided to do a GoFundMe when the, the charity bibs uh, ran out. My buddy, John, who actually completed the 250 as well, and he's a, a pastor at a local church, approached me and said, hey, I want you to do this race. Let's raise some money, and this is how we're going to do it. And he has a background in, um, uh, I forget how he put it, but he he creates causes and creates money to give back to communities, right? I don't know what that's called, but he that's his background. So he decided to help me out. And... Uh, I think within a week we had the the race covered. Now we're at a thousand, like fifteen hundred more dollars, and we want to continue all the way through to the day of the race. My goal would be, you know, my whatever we raise is what we raise, but I'd like to see five thousand dollars for them because it really helps our community a lot. And that's what I'll be doing during the race. And hopefully, I would like to. Uh, we're still exploring a couple options. Me and John, we're th- thinking about live during the race every day, changing that cause to where people can donate to another cause during the race. So like day one, it'll be, you know, uh, a pet, sh- a pet shelter day two, it'll be a homeless shelter or whatever that looks like at that point. Mm-hmm. But we're going to try to get, um, uh, flow of donations during the week directly to some causes. That's a beautiful thing. And I know that's important to you. That's why I wanted to make sure we brought it, it up that, you know, As much as an athlete is waking up in the morning, winning the battle of putting their shoes on and going out and and doing their workout, whatever that might be, um, to be able to keep your eye on others while you're doing that and to use, um, and, and Kenny and I have, and Scott have, we've all raced for causes in the past, um, at different points in our life for different things that were very important to us. We, we supported Semper Fi fund for the Marines and other cool. things. We supported, uh, the lupus fund in racing in Bermuda, um, because that's very close to Scott and his family. And, you know, that's something that we've always been very, um, in tune to as far as what we've done in our, you know, our own athletics, because it is about creating a better world in some ways through yourself being better 
in it. And then if you can do something, you know, with raising money, because that's what makes the world go around and what's what helps these, these really good causes out there do research and find cures or provide services, uh, in your case to the teens that are, you know, providing them better coping mechanisms, better, uh, understanding of, uh, how people's personalities gravitate towards certain things. Um, again, not just in drugs and alcohol, you said eating disorders and a lot of different things that affect young people today. Um, I'm sure there's going things that will emerge from screen time and social media influences that cause people to make bad decisions in life and end up in bad places. So, uh, anything we can do, uh, with this being the kickoff, because first we're really hearing about the exact cause, we will definitely support you victory multisports as a company and as a team. We'll definitely get behind you in that. All right. Thank you. Yeah, it's important. To... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I love the fact that you're getting involved with teens because as a father of teens, I know that when a third party comes in and offers good advice, teens will react positively to that. You exactly. know, you hear it from the parents. It's one thing, but if you hear it from an independent party, and and especially with the message that you have, as impactful as it is, I mean, I wish I could just bottle that up and spoon feed it to my kids. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is, you are the living, breathing, walking, talking example of inspiration. And I, 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 you probably, I mean, perspective is everything in life, and I'm sure you don't see that because you know you're the one that's that's doing it. But from us sitting here as an outsider looking at you, uh, the the impact that you're having is immense. And not just on teens, obviously, through that particular avenue, but in general. Again, I can't say it enough. If I could bottle that up and spoon feed it to everybody, I, I would. It is it is truly fantastic. Yeah, I, I always – I just had this conversation with my partner right now. Uh, I told Monet – if I had somebody in the beginning that I could trust that would tell me that I was making bad decisions that were what my decisions were going to lead to when I was 13 and I started to smoke weed and then started shooting heroin by 16, you know, and I wish I had somebody who I could have talked to. Unfortunately, my mom was in active addiction and we were, you know, we, we lived in, I lived in a tent when I was born. I came from very extreme poverty. We lived in a bus. We never really had houses, you know, Santa Claus forgot where we lived a couple of years ago. In, in a row, you know, that type of stuff. If I would have had somebody then that could have mentored me and said, Hey, don't focus on the negative. Let's, let's do the positive yes. stuff. Right. Yep. That's why this, this the team launch pad is so important to me because it's just pivotal, pivotal that we attack it at an early age and just confidence is the key. I think, because if I had confidence, I wouldn't have hung out with a bad crowd. I'll tell you that much, man. And even your are looking for ways to get pain. Even What's your that? comment earlier about being happy and how that affects the ones that you love the most, you know, that you're around every day. Like, I don't even know if people have an appreciation for that. I, you know, what one of the things I always say is, look, make sure that you're happy in life, whatever you're pursuing, because, you know, it does affect your daily behavior and it is going to affect that immediate circle that's around you. So, so you know, your ability to to be self-aware that that's a dynamic out there that is so important to satisfy. I mean, that also, it just speaks, I've always said this and I say it to my daughter all the time, how intelligent you are. 
and and for a lot on the podcast, they may not realize my daughter interviewed Har for an, an a class project at Pitt, and the article was so good she was actually offered a position mm-hmm. to write for one of their staff papers. I mean, and and the the feedback was this story is phenomenal, blown away, absolutely blown away by the message, mm-hmm. everything. That that's why I, you know, I'm such a fan of har like I, I am so grateful that you're on the team and again a huge fan huge fan of not just the athletics but just that you're such a a a an example of everything that we want to be as a team as an organization as friends all of it as an athlete as a person as everything that we could possibly be so Harley. It's an incredible honor. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Harley, thank you so much for joining us today and being on the Victory Multisport podcast and sharing your story, um, being vulnerable, but being out there for people to understand um, how these things uh, have affected you, but how you've overcome and how you've increasingly met the challenges that life put in front of you. Um, you've pivoted, you've reinvented yourself. Um, so you are well-deserved of all of the titles of Ironman, ultra marathoner, father, husband, partner, um, and ultra, you know, ultra in life. Uh, so congratulations to you. Keep it up or, or, you know, Scott, I couldn't say it any better. We love having you around. Kenny's already shared that with you. Um, really appreciate you being here with us today. Excited for your future. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Victory Multisport Podcast. Uh, We'll see you very soon.